Welcome to the Televerse, streaming in place. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Streaming in Place for episode 18. Uh, today we're talking about Lucifer Season 2, Episode 4, Lady Parts. And hey, hey, the gang's all here, because back chatting with us today is friend of the show, LaToya Ferguson, noted Lucifer expert and just delightful person overall. Thank you for coming back to talk with us. Of course. Hello, everyone. How's it going? And it's also, hey, the gang's all here because we have, then it's popping in the Zoom. We got a lot of people here and a good gender breakdown for this episode because we have to talk about girls' nights. We have to talk about fun on the town, that trope and what it means, but also uh, the healing power of tequila. And I say that because I am someone who genuinely enjoys tequila shots and I don't know if other people do. I do. No. Like, if I'm going to have a shot, uh, like, I'm also very okay with shots because at various points in my life, I've had a very high tolerance. And so, like, it's like, let's just get things going. Um, <laughs> and uh, and tequila, I feel like good tequila, good tequila is a, an essential, like, that qualifier must be there, uh, is a good way to go for me with that. So I'm throwing it over to Allison and LaToya because uh, we've, we've heard Noel's thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> where are you guys at with girls night and or uh tequila shots and or just general revelry guests first <laughs> okay yes i'm pro girls night uh pro good tequila uh one of my birthdays uh we were at uh the bar downstairs from where i was working at the time and they were having like a free tequila night and it was very good uh tequila and we drank a lot of tequila <laughs> no hangover the next day either it was that good yeah well, when I was in the Czech Republic for some, for music camp in college, uh, which sounds much more exotic and fabulous than it actually ever is, there's a lot of international uh, classical music things because that's where they actually pay musicians for classical music. Right. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, the place that we were staying in the Czech Republic, uh, there was a bar across the, the, the street, and I was like... Uh, I mean, it didn't matter there, but I would like just turn 21 and we, they had dollar 50 shots of Patron, like $1 50 cent shot of shots of Patron. So we frequented that establishment. <laughs> Let's just say there was a group of us. Uh, so yeah, it was, uh, I, I came up, I didn't really drink until I was uh, of legal age here in the United States. Uh, but, but I came up that summer through Patron, uh, Allison thoughts. Hmm. I'm very pro tequila shots. I will also accept mediocre tequila. Well, good tequila <laughs> is obviously the best option. Mediocre, mediocre tequila works just fine uh, as long as you're doing the whole ritual. Um, and this is where I get to say, hey, there's a piece somewhere on the takeout, thetakeout.com, um, with like three of us talking about why people do shots. And all the commenters are like, to get drunk. And I'm like, well, yes. But like, in addition also to that... <laughs> I, the reason I love tequila shots is the like it's it's like going to Catholic church only it's drinking like there's a whole ritual. There's involved. drinking in Catholic church too. That's true, <laughs> but like the you know and then if if you're using good salt and a good lime and even if the tequila is just mediocre like it's a whole thing and I think it's a um, a great and fun part of a girls' night if it happens to be a drinking girls' night too, um, which is one of my favorite tropes. I also love. Wait, you faked being my friend as a trope. So this was like gold stars everywhere. And then it's like faking it until it's real. And that's great. And mm -hmm. then we've got the surprise roommates. That's great. Lots of lots of tropes. 
tropes that actually work really well in uh, romances as well. Mm. So um, now I'm curious, Latoya, can you tell me, is there any Maze and Chloe shipping? Does anybody ship Maze and Chloe? I don't know too much, but I do, I'm do. i going to say I do appreciate the, the old she's all that. Am I a stinking bet? Uh, I'm censoring myself, obviously, for the podcast. After I, <laughs> I, I think I dropped multiple F-bombs the last time. So it's I'm going to okay. scale it back. It's all good. No, 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 no. Again, <laughs> full range of your, of your vocabulary and vernacular. Do not censor yourself. This is a, a an accepting and safe place for all types of language. You can fucking swear, Latoya, yeah. is what yes. she's saying. Am I am I a bet? Am I a fucking bet? <laughs> <laughs> the one f bomb for a PG thirteen movie. Um, so we don't get Chloe saying that because it was on Fox. But if it were on Netflix, <laughs> would, we would have gotten that line. I, I just kind of wanted to, like Netflix to go into season two and just edit that scene to have it that way. Um, are there Chloe Maze shippers? Uh, I'm I'm really not too like into the fandom in that way. I don't think it's that as much as like Maze and Linda shippers probably. Uh, well, I mean, I ship that too. Mm-hmm. Clay's, Moe, Mazoe, <laughs> Chloe's, Chloe's, Clothes, Clay's, 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 Clay's. Clazy. Clazy. I'm clazy about it. <laughs> also, Tanya wrote in the chat a shot for Ever Latoya Swear. So now I'm going to like really fucking You know what? <laughs> I, my shot of choice, I have to say, my shot of choice is usually not tequila unless it's like a big celebratory thing. It's usually whiskey. Um, and if it were maybe two hours later in the day, I would probably actually go get some bourbon right now um, and do and do a shot for every, every curse word Latoya dropped. But wrong podcast. That's the other podcast. Whoops. <laughs> Cloezakine, Scotty says. That's a good one. I like that. Cloezakine. Yeah, I'm into Cloezakine. And min- Minda. Minda. <laughs> okay, I'm going to move this along because we have Lays. a lot of things to talk about in this episode. Uh, and I, though I have been enjoying the chat, I'm not going to go through and read all of it, but there was a general consensus, general consensus that was pro tequila uh, and also some some discourse uh tanya says i'm on spring break so i'm getting tequila oh good job tanya <laughs> love it good love job it. way to go uh doing it right and, and and for this episode so this is one that i forgot was a thing until it started um started watching it i was like oh this one i really like this one uh so i'm excited to talk about it with you guys so and we and obviously we got to start with with everything we get with the ladies out uh, at the tiki bar, and I mean, yes, the insta- we get all these fun tropes, but I was not expecting the first time I watched it to be so invested in Chloe uh, Mazakin and like for that to work so well so quickly, and for us to like I would never have imagined when I started the episode that we would end the episode with them as roommates. And I'm so here for it. And I'm very excited. Uh, Ella just immediately hugging everyone and Maze not being down with that <laughs> yet, uh, at least, uh, is just delightful. And yes, Dr. Linda had too much like bar therapy that she had to do in this episode. But if it leads to a regular hangout session with these characters, I don't care. I'm just very here for it. So I- I- I'm going to throw it to Noel first. What did you think about all of this? Did you buy the very clearly like, let's get these characters to spend time together, even though it doesn't make sense? Yeah, and I think a lot of that just boils down to the fact that, A, there's an immense amount of chemistry between the four of them just as as a group right off the bat. That really matters a lot. And 
making that kind of a scene work. Um, and then there's just the fact that when you're watching the scene, you're just immediately like, you're remembering that like as an overall ensemble that the show's generally really good, but that everyone kind of gets cornered off a little bit. Um, and so having that opportunity to see everyone sort of team up um, it's just really, really delightful. And it's, you don't care that it feels a little sort of convoluted or silly um, because it is convoluted and it is silly. And the idea that it's motivated by a bet is both ridiculous, but also just very in keeping with what the show is. And so I think that the entire arrangement just works really, really well, even down to how they navigate like the fight in which Everyone starts throwing punches except for Linda, who's just like, who instigated this fight, basically? <laughs> Hides against the bar, still sipping her drink, going, we should all stop this. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, all of this is very well calibrated, really off the bat. It's very, very good. And we get more drunk Chloe, which is kind of like the best Chloe. Um, and so I was, I was very excited about all of this. So I think it works really, really well. And then to pair it off against everything that the boys do when they go to the upscale sex club is also just really delightful. But I'm also glad that this gets more time and space than the sex club sequence does. Drunk Chloe is great. Uh, Chloe doing a Lucifer impression is always great. Oh God, it gave me so much life. It was so good. More bad accents. Uh, so many bad accents. Uh, yeah. There will be more Lucifer impressions from Chloe, from other characters. Um, it's it's good stuff. Very good stuff. Uh, I, good. Yes, I do love Linda definitely instigating the fight. Uh, she's like, you know, we should all calm down. And then she just calls her a bitch. And it's like, what do you think was going to happen, Linda? <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I've called people bitches and had them not result in all out bar brawls like they should have been playing the, i mean this is also a joke from another podcast but they should have been playing yaggy sax right like <laughs> and then chairs and stuff and <laughs> the very best part of the fight uh other than all of the maze things and there's something so satisfying about watching maze do that for someone who isn't lucifer like it was incredibly satisfying um and her breaking the pool cue in half like amazing but the best part was definitely dr linda sitting out being like holy crap what's <laughs> happening um oh my god uh, i also want to tip my hat to the moment when she tr you know is valiantly trying to make it like a let's all share so it's not therapy here are some uh -huh. tools that i have but here i'm going to be involved in this too because i'm not here to work um and suggest that they all start sort of sharing secrets and starts with putting yourself through grad school by being a phone sex operator. Um, which is great. The show continues to be incredibly sex positive. Like they are surprised, but not scandalized or shocked and no one gives her crap and she's not ashamed of it. And it's great. Great, great, great. And Lurker points out that Ella's into the sex line concept. So. Yeah. Uh, Scotty says Linda under the bar screaming maze, maze, maze. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> Very great. It's a great Linda episode. There's so much. I mean, you, you mentioned the sex positivity for the scene with Dr. Linda, and that's that's a big thing there. But even just, I mean, it's sad that this stands out to me, but the fact that they called the, the victims sex workers like and use yeah. that terminology is just so rare on this kind of procedural uh, cop show. I just like they are treated. Those characters are treated with 
respect in, through the entire process by Chloe and Lucifer. And that it just, I was refreshed and glad and then sad at how surprised and happy I was <laughs> about that over the course of watching this episode. Yeah. Yeah, good point. Um, I also appreciate that, like, and granted, some of this is because it was on Fox and not Netflix, right? But um, the dead bodies were not quite as uh, lurid or Mm -hmm. um, uh, titillating, I guess, intentionally titillating as uh, they might be on another show. Um, They -hmm. were definitely. So, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. And there's something about doing poison as well that kind of like helps to offset that as well because of how what poison can do to the body um, in a different way or that prevents sort of like a grisliness that we normally associate with these kinds of shows. Poison just makes your body look real bad in mm-hmm. not television aesthetic ways that we find interesting visually so that we get little bits of like bluey veins that are a little too large um that kind of stuff we get but it's like you said there's not a tantalization aspect there's not a fetishization aspect to it which again pays in plays into the larger things that both of you have discussed already of like how that this show is positioning both of these uh los angeles transplants and where they fit and i think that again based on this episode and then on like some of what happened in the pre in the sin eaters episode i think the show is maybe perhaps becoming more aware of how their victims are factoring into the crimes and how what the narrative of the crime is i think is also kind of starting to become something that i even yet just yesterday wrote off as a sort of an accident and now maybe not so much of an accident Hmm. Well, compare how these victims are treated versus what was the episode like three or four of season one with the athlete. Yeah, There's, yeah. It's a distinct difference. And these, they are not like punished by the narrative for some decision that, you know, doesn't play with a lot of people's um, uh, priorities or their preconceptions and stuff it's just it's it's very different uh yeah and lurker points out the transplants who were murdered weren't sex workers they were tricked into going to the party right um by the character who is a sex worker and that is true but the cops don't know that for yeah they don't know that until the the very end so i think so that's an excellent point um definitely uh but for me the I, i still think that the way that the show handles the character the way that our characters respond to the victims when they believe that they are sex workers like holds up even though that's a it's a very good point and this but the sense i get very much from how the episode handles the ultimate culprit is that like yes again is it's not she didn't do this because she's a bad person demonstrated by the fact that she's a sex worker it's that she's a horrible person who then mm-hmm. also <laughs> happens to be the like who is the kind of person who to roofie their friends and kill people like all this stuff like I didn't intend to 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 murder them I intended for them to be raped uh, and so that's you know that's so much better that's yeah. so much better because I should be a star by now um, which is very much the the kind of energy that that character has uh, Marcus wants to know is there does anyone know if is there a change in showrunner or producer from season one to season two and I don't think so. But I don't know. Latoya, do you know? No, it was always Joe and Ildi. So they're both like co-showrunners. But I think uh, possibly there was uh, more faith put in them uh, to like to run the show 
as they kind of intended to after the first season, where, you know, there's kind of a clear idea of what, uh, I guess, producers wanted the show to be, probably what the network wanted the show to be. Um, I've talked to them before, um, as, as much as we, you know, kind of joke about the case of the week being, you know, not the best part of the show. Um, they're very cognizant of um, the way they're portraying certain stories, um, uh, marginalized type of characters that they're going to have in these storylines. They they want to be respectful of the like the victims in these storylines. Uh, like I don't want to spoil a future one, but there's one with just like uh, a, an interesting subculture is like one of the focuses, and like they're very like they made sure to do so much research on it basically, so they wouldn't be just like insulting this group that would be seeing this on the show. Mm. You know, it rem- and I mean this as the highest praise, uh, and it's basically the only thing that these two shows have in common. But it reminds me a little bit of the way that One Day at a Time um, will just sort of be casually thoughtful. Like sometimes if it's an issue and they're obviously introducing it and making it a plot point, then there's some um, laying out of terms and definitions and why we say the things we do. Um, but generally, that show just sort of does the thoughtful, um, inclusive thing without making a big spectacle about it, which actually is, I think, an even bigger statement. Um, so it reminds me of that a little bit. Also, the notion... Oh, I'm so sorry I have the hiccups. That's inconvenient. Um, the notion that uh, that the killer would have tried to find an organic roofie is hilarious. Evil and hilarious. Um, and it Very made me laugh... Yeah, it made me laugh really hard. Uh, but I think as an indication of uh, something else I really appreciated about this episode, which is how at least two of the fight scenes um, come from organic, and I didn't mean that to be the transition point, but come from something that's already present, right? Like Maze doesn't whip out a weapon. She finds a pool cue and breaks it in half. Um, our killer, uh, when she's confronted, uses a box cutter, which is in her hand because she's preparing to flee. So she's boxing up her stuff. Like really, those little touches, I think, really elevate those sequences because it feels... Um, much more spontaneous, which is much more dangerous for everyone involved. Um, and with Maze, I mean, it's just a badass thing, but like it's, but it's a really cool, thoughtful touch. Mm-hmm. Right. And they did that with Bobby in the season two premiere as well, where she grabs the fire poker. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and just one more thing about uh, the show running of uh, Lucifer. So the show was originally developed by uh, Tom Capinos, who is the, you know, creator and showrunner of Californication. He was showrunner in like the latter seasons of Dawson's Creek. And I assume that uh, he developed it, but it was always Joe and Ildi who were showrunners. I'm assuming that the fact that they had Tom as the developer, they wanted like this kind of darker kind of smuttier version of the show at first although it's going to be on fox so obviously it couldn't get as dark and smutty as they wanted it and after seeing the first season see what people thought worked what didn't work they they were allowed to kind of make the show show more in their image yeah uh lurker mentions that chloe beats the girl with the yoga mat too and yep yep. just the heaviest yoga mat (laughs) (laughs) um we are there's a lot to touch in on here that we haven't gotten to yet uh i wanted to know uh, first i i assume we're all excited but are we all excited about Maze and chloe being roommates yes i can't wait for the first time um that trixie gets into Maze's room and finds some kind of like <laughs> dungeon gear right like i assume that this is inevitable that she's gonna walk out with a riding crop or something or like i don't know like a mace 
or I have like I have no idea what. I just I assume that that is inevitable. I really like that they uh, that the show has the memory um, to say like, well, I like your kid, um, mm-hmm. which has been a point of frustration with some other shows that I cover recently, where they sort of forget their own immediate past. But yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait to see Maze's bedroom and how it contrasts with the rest of the apartment. I can't ra- <laughs> wait to see the things that she brings home and thinks are appropriate decorations. I can't like it's it's like an odd couple dream i cannot wait what happens when a demon stuck on earth and a cop who's a single mom live together i just can't wait (laughs) you're gonna be really happy (laughs) great noel any thoughts no i'm very excited about it as well and i mean allison took all the good bits so i don't have anything (laughs) left um but it's i again it kind of feeds into this idea of like really kind of feeling comfortable enough that you can start merging your ensemble um and that's just really really exciting when especially with a show like this where everyone again was a little displaced um and only connected by lucifer in the center when you start being able to draw connections between characters in different ways it just makes your show a lot richer and especially with a show like this where the case of the week sometimes just doesn't work you need those character beats to really propel it forward and so giving yourself more opportunity for that is the is the best choice to make. Even if it sometimes just seems really convoluted of, yeah, why don't the two of these people who kind of barely know each other start living together? Oh, it was a drunken idea. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We'll accept it. We'll roll with it. (laughs) Yeah. I know we're going long, but I, I do feel like I'm obligated to share that the best roommate that I ever had, who isn't my partner, um, uh, but you can someone... also say you're the best roommate you've ever had. It's okay. No, I, well, I mean, I, frankly, once you're quarantined with somebody, it's like if you can survive being quarantined together, then like th- that's definitely that's the top tier. So we're doing great. But um, <laughs> outside of my partner, the best uh, roommate that I ever had um, was a friend that I had just made in college. Like we had been pals for maybe two weeks and got drunk at a party and agreed to be roommates. And the next day we were both like, okay, so I feel like I should let you off the hook if you don't want to do this. And neither of us did. And we lived together (laughs) and it was wonderful. We found an apartment three days later. It was great. It was wonderful. So I endorse drunk roommate decisions. If it's like, you just got a gut feeling about them, um, just make sure that you can get out of your lease if you need to. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and they also establish this, I mean, this is very clearly something Maze would do, because uh, yeah. she can always just fuck off <laughs> if she <laughs> uh, if, if, it, if it gets bad. Um, but also, the, I like that they have established this point, like even just through the the little aside from Dan, she's like, "Yep, that sounds like Chloe," but it, without judgment about the fact that she's missing a half hour of time. Um, like they've established w- between this and the same thing in season one, where she shows, shows up at Lucifer's drunk, that yeah, she, sometimes she drinks too much. Uh, but and they're, the friends and the people in her life know this about her, but it is an endearing and element to how she copes with stress sometimes, rather than something that is a problem. And certainly, she doesn't keep people in her life who would judge her on that. Uh, cause they're dicks. <laughs> so, so like, I like the way that they establish it. So it feels very in character for her too. Um, and I thought they also really sold just how meaningful it was for her in this moment to have this kind of support network spring up, even if it was later under false pretenses. Uh, I, I absolutely buy that she is never 
really had friends given how she grew up you know with a with a famous actor mom and a cop dad i have no trouble buying that she has never had a crew now chloe has a crew and what a great crew it is you got (laughs) ella who can steal cars if she needs to that was quite the revelation you guys yeah indeed yeah Marcus says, I like how they leaned into the Chloe Mays pairing when they so easily could have had Chloe turn away hard after feeling betrayed. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, we have to talk about the, the the guys a little bit, too, because I am, I co-sign and I'm here 100% with the men deal. Cosmos are delicious. Uh, and They're yummy. I, yeah, they're yummy. They're yummy. And yeah. <laughs> I look down on Lucifer for judging him for his, for yeah. his lady drink. I don't well, think that's in character. He's also working against his own interests because if his goal is to get Amenadiel wasted, the very best way to do that is to keep feeding him Cosmos, not yeah. straight whiskey. Like yeah. the the bet, like make it not taste like alcohol, but be alcohol. That's the best way to do it. It's in, he's not drinking gin and tonics. A Cosmo is like, mm, let me put in just like a little bit of something that's not booze, and then here you go. Here's your glass full of straight alcohol. It's gonna go <laughs> it and, like and sugar. It's you're just gonna whoop swallow that down and be wasted in uh, ten minutes. It's he's working against his own interests. Yeah, uh, Scotty calls it out of character to be so mean about a drink choice, but it's Lucifer doing this to his older brother or younger brother who you know he has issues with. Oh, I see, but I don't think it's about him being mean. I think it's about him uh, subscribing yeah. to this kind of gender roles and calling it unmanly because yeah. uh, Lucifer doesn't tend to have the, those same, same hangups and uh, mm-hmm. having like, and he, he did also say like, like he's, he's been pushing some toxic masculinity these last couple episodes in a way that I, it's just little notes of it, but hopefully it's just like a blip um, with the, the previous care, a previous episode would be like, when did you give up your manhood? Um, to to children, basically to child rearing. Um, but that was about just not t- taking care of himself. Here, yeah, to be to, I know it's for comedy, and I know it's just a little thing. But I, I did note that this time of being like, it seems weird for Lucifer to ascribe uh powerlessness and uh of weakness to a drink. It yeah, doesn't... it's not the weird thing is not that Lucifer was picking on Amenadiel or was like throwing anything in his face. The weird thing is that he was picking on cosmopolitans by prescribing femininity to them, which it makes them somehow weaker. Um, which again, first of all, not true. A Cosmo will get you fucked up. <laughs> like that is a lot of booze. And the pro Cosmo lobby over here. Oh, I don't like them. I'm just saying, if your goal is to get somebody drunk and have them not realize it, just p- picture a Cosmos and a big straw. Is like, that and, like, like generally the case with all the like air quotes lady drinks, right? Because margaritas and and Cosmos. I don't know what gender we would call a martini, but like like a Long Island will fuck you. And that's that is a like a girly yeah. drink too. I mean, if you're adding Lurker says if you add adding sugar to booze is also a ticket to Hangover Town, and that's absolutely true. But yeah, there are a lot of ways we've invented a lot of ways to disguise <laughs> alcohol with fruit juice and other flavorings, and they will get you extremely drunk. Um, it's they'll get you way drunker than a bottle of wine could, you know. So I don't um, know if I, I'd call a margarita a girly drink. I, <laughs> I, I think that there are I guess margaritas. Martini is is a girly drink then though. I don't know. Well, m- martinis except for James Bond. On, yeah, <laughs> uh, like a vodka or a gin martini. I think is probably not in terms of the 
I'm sorry. My other, a lot of you don't know this. My other life is I end up writing about alcohol a lot. Um, mm-hmm. And I worked in a fancy booster for a long time. Anyway, margaritas, I think, are not a girly drink, but there are girly drink. Um, but there are versions of that. Like if you go, there are re- some real assholes where if you go to a Mexican restaurant or you go to somewhere that serves a bunch of different kinds of margaritas, you can get a margarita. And that's the kind of place where this version of Lucifer would be like, margarita, that's manly. If you're getting like a strawberry kiwi margarita, then that's a different thing. So anyway, um, basically like the sweeter and more uh, elaborate with more ingredients something is, the more likely we are to call it yeah. girly, which Air is quotes. stupid. Yeah. And that stuff will get you very drunk. Yeah. We need another half hour just to assign gender to alcoholic yeah. beverages. Yeah. That's what the people want to hear. Clearly. Uh, well, let's <laughs> talk about the, the, the guy's side of things, because I am just... I, I was enjoying the <laughs> required hangout time between Dan and, and Lucifer. I thought it made sense. I thought Chloe's mm-hmm. like explanation made sense. And also just like, just the, the back and forth about what the fact that he looks like a cop was delightful. And I could have been there for another 20 minutes of that probably without getting tired of it. He just looks so much like a cop. He really he does. does. <laughs> and it was funny because I was like watching it while, while I was watching this one part. I was just like, yeah. He does look like a cop. He even looked like a cop when he was a supervillain on Arrow. How is that possible? It's it's, just, <laughs> it's Kevin Alejandro with that hair because like when yeah. he had a buzz cut on Ugly Buddy, of course he didn't look like a cop. But like yeah. since Southland, he's been looking like a cop. You guys, yeah, no, that's a good point. Yeah, so he just he just looks pure cop and he's got cop hair, baby. Yeah, and and plus the jacket, also how they're costuming him with that jacket is also just like pure i'm not a cop you're definitely a cop yeah <laughs> um but like also like with that costuming is i really appreciated like the parallel scenes of the coffee maker in the police station where both he and then chloe were in their same clothes from the previous night out of just like yeah no that's solid that's solid work yeah um i really appreciated the the gag of having the bartender run and it's not because he's guilty. It's just because he looks like a cop. Like that was just really, that was really, that was a nice misdirect. Um, Big, big payoff for something relatively small. Thumbs up. Well, and speaking of misdirect and big payoff, we have to talk about Yuri and the fact that Robert Ricardo shows up for one scene and is hilarious. And I don't even know what that accent is, but I don't care because it's like, ah, it's a doctor. I I always enjoy when he shows up on my TV. It's the accent of someone named Yuri, obviously. (laughs) It is, yeah. I I love it. It's so ridiculous uh they're like oh you you think we, you can just guess who the killer is from seeing an actor how about you try here with this half a scene nope <laughs> yeah it was a really fun surprise it's like what oh hi great oh that's it thank you thanks who is who are you friends with that you decided to just come hang out on set for a day i'm very curious right yeah awesome. did you See ya. visit were you just wandering around did you visit someone and they're just like can you do this real quick in front of your own car <laughs> Um, so it's actually interesting because the bartender is actually in this episode because he's a friend of the writer because he was one of the stars in the show. Um, what is it? That show with uh, Jason Priestley. Uh, what is it called? Call me uh, Fitz. He was one of the series regulars and uh, Sherry Elwood, who wrote the episode, she created that show. So he's literally just in in this episode. It's like, Hey, Hey buddy. Um, (laughs) We need a bartender. You look like you could be a bartender. He does. He does have bartender <laughs> he face. Has major bartender <laughs> face. We got cop hair. We got bartender face. Yeah, love it. 
Very good. Um, do we uh, want to talk? I feel like we should talk a little bit about the ending and and this uh, the potential backlash around Chloe and Lucifer's deal with uh, as regards mom or Charlotte. How is that working for you guys? And and uh, you know what did what did you think of the you know a big break from that tension and then ramping it back up for the end of the episode. Uh, first of all, I think that we should outlaw the I'm about to get sideswiped by another car shot because it's yes. a dead giveaway and it makes the car crashes no longer shocking in the way they're supposed to be shocking. Uh, agree to disagree because Nashville did that like five times every season and it was always good. <laughs> yeah, but that's that sounds to me like a recurring bit. That's how they killed <laughs> off Connie Britton. Uh, really? Yes, and then her she was visited by her ghost mom, played by her best friend Carla Gugino. That's how they wrote her off. God, amazing. Um, Marcus seconds and says, or pedestrian hit by a car, same thing. Yeah, um, I think it can still happen. Just maybe find a, a different way of shooting it. Because like, yeah. mm-hmm. because Alias already pe- did peak did that, that yeah. way back, and and that was like, peak. then it was like, hey, this is the this is the best this is ever going to be, and then people have the audacity; they've still kept doing it. Maybe so find a new that, way that to peak. do that shot. Actually, <laughs> devs did a really good, um, uh, like surprise distressing car accident, um. In a very different way, but I won't say anything else about it. Um, uh, anyway, yeah, I think find a new shot. It was, it's yeah. good. It's like a good, it's an angle I hadn't considered. And um, it made for a really compelling scene between Lucifer and Amenadiel, I think. Um, so I'm I'm curious about what that means going forward and what it's going to mean for Chloe. Yeah, same. I think that there's... I'm constant. One of the like theological things that I'm always kind of grappling with is which God are we dealing with here exactly? And the degrees to which we're, we're looking at like a more old Testament sort of thing of like, Oh yeah, no punishment. And how we're navigating that kind of a concept. Because I do think that there's a sort of delightfulness in the devil who, again, as we sort of discussed in season one, a good bit of like finding those loopholes, but also finding the language that gives you exactly what you want, but not in the way you wanted it. Sort of the monkey's paw kind of concept. So I think that having Lucifer become a victim to his own kind of shenanigans is a really interesting concept for them to start digging into. So I'm I'm keen on it, and I'm really interested to see how they're going to play that thread. Okay. Well, I know what's coming next, so I can't yeah. say anything. <laughs> I will can't say tell that tell you what's going to happen. <laughs> the next episode, I think you might have some sense of what's going to happen, uh, or what could. Like, I won't say that you guys couldn't guess what the next like wrinkle to all this is, but I will say that. I don't think you could guess the next episode's guest star unless it's spoiled <laughs> for you. Yeah. Right? Right, Latoya? Yeah. Like, it's just like, it's a left field. It's like, really? It's a, um, it's a casting okay. choice. It is a casting yeah. choice. Yeah. Um, there's one other little episode thing that I want to talk about, um, like tiny because it's all we get of it. Um, but I'd like to uh, officially recognize the brilliance of Trisha Helfer's burned apron, um, which is just like like huge scorch marks on her apron as like a great little bit of costuming it made me laugh really hard she, she is very bad at cooking very bad very <laughs> bad very cheesy noodles are bad cooking. yeah yeah she's great at like a crispy cheesy noodles yeah <laughs> and you know the middle is frozen still somehow right yes. that's yeah yeah definitely 
Definitely. Well, if anybody has any questions or topics they want us to touch on, please throw them into the chat. Otherwise, I think let's throw it around for some final thoughts or hopes or, you know, concerns. Where, where, where are you guys at? Noel, you go first. Well, I, one thing that I did want to bring in, we can, I'll, we'll ear, ear bookmark this for later, is one of the things I picked up on in this episode and that I realized retroactively was sort of happening this season was women aren't throwing themselves at Lucifer anymore. And I'm really curious about what that means. Because hmm. Ella doesn't really do anything. Uh, Robbie doesn't do anything. This woman um, who manslaughtered both of her uh, roommates doesn't throw herself at him either. There's none of the googly eye stuff that we get like immediately once he walks into a room in season one, even like at that um, that fundraiser or whatever. Um, so I realized it, especially after like he and like Ella were having a conversation in this episode. And I just went, wait a second. What's what's going on? Because this is a departure, and I don't know if it's like a weakening of his abilities, or if it's just the show making a decision not to do that every time. But I'm I'm really curious about what this means. So just something to mull over. But also, Kate and Latoya already know whether or not this is just <laughs> a recalibration or something yeah. larger. No shit. Can't a devil and a woman just be friends? <laughs> uh, no. Season one very quickly established that no, they can't. <laughs> season one established that he's coke. So no, yeah. it's not a good idea. <laughs> I was uh, I was helping Tanya out. She was saying I was letting her down, so I had to throw in that shit. And there's another one right there. There you go. <laughs> down the hat. Okay, over to Allison. I am curious about this idea too. I had noticed that as well, specifically with Ella. Like there wasn't any it's not like he's his mojo is still on and he's just not using it. It's like, it's not there anymore, which is a little bit weird. And maybe they just got bored of writing that stuff. But, um, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious about all that. Um, I'm mostly just very excited about the roommates thing. I'm not going to lie. I really enjoy the show in general. Um, I'm still very pro Trisha Helfer and her burned apron, but I just, I am, I've ha I haven't felt this way. Since I started thinking about Amenadiel's IKEA office, and it's just like <laughs> I'm just last week. She hasn't I know. felt this way well, since last week. But right now, last week yeah. feels like six years ago. So, That's super fair. <laughs> um, uh, I'm I'm just excited about that pairing. And I think I will say this: I've noticed um, that the more that Maze gets to do, the more interesting that performance gets. Um, physically, in terms of the vocal work she's doing, there's a lot of like more animal, um, sort of inhuman prowling behavior. Like she just, it's very, very cool. Um, so I'm excited to get, see what happens next for that character who they're already using so much better than they used last season and i really enjoyed her last season too so maze Hi. that's what i'm excited about <laughs> latoya any other thoughts on this episode or where we're at so far into our lucifer journey here uh this is a very fun and kind of sad also season of television it's really it's, it's really good and uh i'm excited for basically everything uh Latoya, how have you finished rewatching everything by this point? I honestly slowed down once I started season three. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Because I'm like, will season three be better in binge form? And I already got like really stressed out. <laughs> Fair enough. As soon as they started saying a certain word, I'm like, oh God, shut up. <laughs> Kate knows what I'm talking about. Yeah, I do. <laughs> Just tell me this. Is the word palmetto? 
no, no. <laughs> thank God. Okay, just check. It's a new word to be frustrated with. <laughs> okay, just wanted to make sure. I am excited to pop in on more episodes this season because I love talking about season two. Um, so I'm just gonna show up a bunch. You guys are gonna be so sick of me. Um, never. No, never. Sister. Thanks. Uh, I'll make some cheesy noodles for the chat. Yes. <laughs> Tanya might be sick of you because she's going to be drunk every day at 1.30 yes. p.m. Central Hell Standard Time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Get lit, Tanya. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we do have a, a giant, like, so when, when the shelter in place, like, start shortly before it started in uh, Illinois, um, I'm, I'm sheltering a place with my parents and my dad, they, they went, it got like groceries and things like a little bit ahead of time. So they were set. Uh, my dad decided to get some booze and he got the most laughably large bottle of tequila. It's like, it's, it's stupid big and he doesn't drink tequila, but he thought maybe we could have margaritas. And I'm like, I am not drinking booze right now. Cause I'm trying to just like cut down on, on extra sugars, which is sad. Don't get me wrong. But the point being there's a giant bo- bottle of tequila that is just like in, and it's yes. good tequila. It's just like calling out to me. So we'll see how long I last uh, before we crack that thing. <laughs> but if if I do, I imagine it'll be with y'all at one of these uh, <laughs> when when we get to a, an appropriate point in our journey. But uh, <laughs> Scotty says shots. Yeah, <laughs> and Tanya says rock and roll. So yeah, we, we'll have to we'll have to figure out when when is going to be a co- good time to do that. But my tolerance will be shit because oh, I haven't had man. anything to drink in so long. So, anyways, on that, this is note, what happens when my hard liquor choice is gin. I'm going to have to do gin shots. I don't, I don't <laughs> want to do gin shots. That's terrible. That's what you get it's, for liking gin. Gin's delicious, but I like it's gin. not it's made not for shots. Fun. No, <laughs> it, it's no. fine. It shouldn't be the, the, your liquor of choice. That's that's what I'm saying. Listeners, Allison is making a face, and it's the right face for this conversation. No, I was was thinking about... (laughs) I was thinking about what Noel could add to gin, like what gin cocktail Noel could make himself that would work in shot form. And I'm Yeah, I don't know if there is one. You could do like a you could do like a gin Ricky and do it and break it into shots. Um, But also just like juice. Like yeah. pick a juice that you really like, um, yeah. and do it that I mean, way. My go-to cocktails like a gin and ginger. So Ooh, yeah, see that would be fine. Yeah. Um, but I just let you could also just drink a gin and tonic like very fast. Yeah. Um, just like <laughs> pour yourself a gin terrible. and tonic. We do shots and you go like. We could also not do shots and just drink like adults. I don't know. That doesn't that doesn't fit with our girls' night conversation that we've been having. So <laughs> I feel like we need to stay themed. Now I feel like we all should get Jaeger to join Marcus. <laughs> <laughs> I've got something. I've got something similar enough on my bar cart that I'm all set. I've got something real herbal and potent. Lurker says absolutely <laughs> not, and I'm enjoying this on multiple <laughs> levels because of the lurker reveal. From our from our big group episode, so Noel's getting you that Jaeger. Oh, Goldslogger, <laughs> you brought it up. Now you got to get it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, before we get too out of hand here, I'm going to call it for today. So thank you so much, Latoya, for joining us, and thank you everybody in the chat. And today that was uh, Keenan and Lurker and Marcus and Scotty and Tanya. Y'all are delightful, and it's always a pleasure. So we will be back tomorrow to talk about. 
season two, episode five of Lucifer, Weaponizer. Uh, I look forward to everyone's thoughts. But until then, bye. 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 bye.